0: Hi, this is Mark Woods, back with another Page One podcast. Today I have Eileen Kelly, who went over to the panhandle after Hurricane Michael. Um, I guess, first of all, explain how and why you ended up going there beyond the obvious of the the storm.
1: Um Well, I have covered other uh, hurricanes before for other daily newspapers where I worked, but uh newspapers in the gatehouse chain, which um, the Times Union is now part of, were asked um, Mary Kelly polka, the editor, was asked, "Can you you know provide support um, because the newspaper over there, the Panama City News Herald, was pretty obliterated um it's a really small newspaper staff, 14 person, I think about four news reporters, two photographers. And um, they thought that they were gonna be safe, they thought their building was hurricane proof, and it wasn't, and so they needed help. Um, This is the biggest story that they're gonna be covering in probably their lifetimes. And they needed more staff. They also needed to deal with the aftermath of the storm. I mean, their own house was destroyed, some more than others, trees falling through them, cars destroyed, and um, this huge story was happening right there in their hometown, and so they asked, you know, who can you send, and so they sent folks from, they sent me, um, folks from the Palm Beach Post, um, an Oklahoma paper, a um, couple of different folks in Palm Beach, actually, um, and Augusta, i met some people there, and you know we were all just kind of like, "What do you need us to do? We're here." And with me, they just kind of let me go, let me go to find stories. I mean, I would have done whatever they needed. Um, but they said, "You know, just do what you do
0: and so, how quickly were they literally putting out a paper again
1: the The most of the many of the staff actually was in the building when the hurricane approached, and they were running from Different spots to different spots as they saw the walls moving um, the roof was was torn off, you know windows shattered um, they were printing out of Alabama, hmm. the closest printing press and um, um, but they were they, they were they never stopped publishing um, the editor. Actually, his car was destroyed, and his house suffered a lot of damage as well, but he borrowed a car, a Mustang convertible, and he was driving around passing out newspapers (laughs) for people. And Patty Blake, the chief photographer, uh, I went into the newsroom with her, and she grabbed a couple bundles of papers, and she brought some to a food serving stand, and people were just delighted to see it. Um, (laughs) One of the first days when I was there, a couple who had just come in from from up north you know to spend the winter there they pulled up and said oh we'd like to you know pay for our paper we owe you some money (laughs) and i said um that's really nice of you but this building is they can't they can't work out of this building anymore and i have no idea what to tell you and i said um but you know that's really nice of you that you're wanting to you know keep your subscription and not have a lapse but uh (laughs) it's going to be a while (laughs) before before they get to that um but uh and you know, I passed out some papers to people, and it was—you—you you saw the joy of of the only something that's normal in a time when—I mean, this, this storm was not normal. It was this this city is just absolutely devastated, and just to hand someone a newspaper. It just, it seemed like this is what you're supposed to do. You know, this is this is my normal life when everything around them is not normal. It's absolute chaos and sadness and just devastation.
0: Right. I remember covering Katrina, we were talking about this, and the thing people latched onto were radio for kind of the immediacy of the, some of the information, and then the Times-Picayune that kind of daily updates mm-hmm. on a little bit deeper and how much people appreciated their newspaper in new orleans then so um yeah you told a good story about going into a convenience store (laughs) Uh.
1: yeah um this was out at the beach area and um and i wanted i you know wanted to see my first story that was coming out there and so i'm standing in line where everyone's buying the mega million tickets and and i'm holding a newspaper and a person I guess about my age, early fifties. I mean twenties. Um, <laughs> 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 um, she said, "Oh, a newspaper! What a novel idea!" <laughs> and I thought, "Well, wait a minute. You, you're my age. You, you, you were raised on newspapers, weren't you? <laughs> you know." Um, and so I, I, you know, I'm holding the paper, and I and my story is on the front page. And I point, and I said, "Well, you know, this is my story, and I'm up here, you know, helping this paper, and um, you know." this is warrant, you know, journalism is really needed and it's gonna be needed for a long time here. And she's like, oh, that's your story. And so she gets out of line and goes over and gets a newspaper and then the person behind her says, oh, newspaper, and she's like, yeah, see that person two up? That's the reporter, mm-hmm. you know? And so every day I was I, you know, on my way into Panama City, I would, I would stop at, you know, the standing convenience stores because in Panama City they were all obliterated. Um And the newspapers were all selling out, so I was I was happy to see that. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. And so, how you know, you said fourteen staffers; they're just plugging away, grinding out day after day. Day
1: after day, yes, they are, and they still, you know the 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 editor was trying to say, you know, here, take a day off, Um, you know, go deal with your insurance, that kind of thing, figure out what you're going to do for a car, that kind of stuff. But they were just, they were plugging away, um, continuing to work and work and work and work. I mean, they are in the middle of this huge news story and I'm just, I'm so happy that I got to help them with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do hope to go back, actually.
0: Right. Um, yeah, try and describe what, when you get over there, what What did you find there?
1: You know, I, I've spent over, I've, sp- this is my third tour of Florida, I guess. And, you know, I've covered hurricanes. I, was, I covered Katrina. I used to live in Southwest Florida. Um, you know, hurricanes, you, you get used to them um, to an extent. And then you got used to us not having, you know, what, 10 years without hurricanes? Mm-hmm. Um, I was absolutely blown away. I just, I was, like, I thought Katrina was bad, particularly, like, along the Mississippi coast, Um but this is just like a bomb went off. It just, like, it stops you dead in your tracks of what? Like, it just looks like everything's exploded. Hmm. Um, Just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was kind of chaotic. Um, you know, power lines, trees everywhere, just glass explosions of, you know, every store. Just, I mean, it honestly looks like a bomb went off. You just... Hmm you're like how is this happening Mm -hmm. um and there's just there's an extraordinary amount of people there um first responders from all of the state and other states linemen um insurance adjusters um journalists although i didn't actually run into a journalist i thought i kind of would but um and so the roads are incredibly crowded and at dusk you're supposed to get off the roads and it just, it took forever to get places. Um, I was staying about 17, 20 miles away, which normally would be a half hour and it was two and a half hour drives, even if you left at six in the morning.
0: Just because it's bumper to bumper? It's
1: absolutely bumper to bumper um, huh. with all the workers. And um, and then at night when it's dark, it's it's really, it's kind of frightening. Um because you don't know where you are, you don't know if you're going through an intersection that had a stoplight, mm-hmm. and and it's just and the the police officers drove with their sirens and lights on constantly, and they were driving in the um, turning lanes, and you just it would just be a parade of them, mm-hmm. and it was just it was really kind of it was daunting because I I had never been there before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to be breaking curfew, but I had no idea the first night that it's suddenly at six o'clock, it's dark, and you're like, oh bleep, <laughs> how do I get out of here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I wanted to be off the road, but I couldn't. It took two and a half hours, you know, to get back to where I was staying. Um, and it was, I guess I was fortunate to find a place to stay because um, I learned, I mean, Panama City is in an absolute crisis right now with with the lack of housing, the lack of. Um, it, I don't I don't know what I don't know what people are going to do there. Right. No one knows. Um, you know, I talked with um, folks from FEMA, and I said, you know, when are the trailers coming? And you know, it's kind of like whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, you know. And I said, well, I'm I'm used to trailers from Hurricane Andrew and Katrina, and this is kind of what you do. Or, don't you still do it? And they did for Florence. The, the f- trailers came for Florence, but about October fourteenth and October eighteenth, so a month a month later. Mm-hmm. FEMO is trying to get out of the housing business, um, but for this area, they they something has to be done. I mean, entire cities, neighborhoods were obliterated. I was out in a tiny town called Parker, and it's two and a half square miles by two and a half square miles, and the mayor at the time was guessing about a third of the houses would have to be demolished. He later changed that to well over half and probably, I'd say about three quarters, um, where they're not going to be livable. And this is a town of mostly retirees um, from Tyndall and um, just some middle class, but mostly not.
0: Yeah, you had a good... I really like the story of the it was told the eighty-seven-year-old disabled vet, yeah, flagging down the mayor, mm-hmm. and um, his his wife was in assisted and in memory
1: care. Yes, she has dementia,
0: right? So that he's already you you kind of captured what he's already experienced of loss, and now this, yeah. And the mayor desperately wishing he could do something, but it's just as you said, mind-boggling the amount and. So that story, kind of, in a very human way, captured the the hopelessness there. Um, yeah,
1: um, and and then it, there was even more. Um, you know, a few days after that, um, well, actually, yeah, right around that time, I was driving around with a photographer, and I see a woman sitting on a step, you know, outside her front door, and she just, she just looks really sad, and so I pulled up and. Sat down next to her and told her who I was, and and uh, she starts telling me about a baby squirrel that she saw after the storm, and and she started crying when she was talking about the baby squirrel, thinking about how the mom the mama squirrel died, and uh, but not talking about her own losses or anything, um, and you know like her house was just covered in trees. And I see this young man who's trying to saw away at a tree um, because his chainsaw was stuck. And I said, oh, is that your grandson? And she said, no, he's just some guy from, I don't know, some chainsaw army or navy, just some kid. And so I went over and, and that was the next story I did. Um, I followed this guy for a couple of days. His name is Tyler Gay. And a young man from Tallahassee, he's, he's uh, living in Tallahassee, he grew up, um, in, you know, one of the cities outside of Panama Beach. And uh, he wasn't even supposed to be at home or at his family's house for the hurricane. It just, his flight was to Charlotte, North Carolina, was canceled. And that was his connecting flight to get to Tallahassee. And so he ended up getting a plane ride to Panama City and had no idea that a storm was coming, as most people didn't. This was a very quick-forming storm. And he had a he's pretty tortured by by the storm, and um thinking that people were going to die and it's remarkable that no one in his family did die um, they were all at their brother's house they were not prepared, no one had food no one no one really knew that this monster storm was was heading right for them and um at any rate, so i you know he's telling me how you know he survived the storm and brought his parents to his house in tallahassee collected some money and decided to come back and i was like oh where are you staying he's like i'm living in my car and and he you know told work he's like i've got another week of vacation can i just use it now and he was just he was going around and just freeing people from their houses um doing whatever they needed and not taking any money um, he had a truck full of medical supplies and food and MREs mm-hmm. and soup, dog food, people food, um, and living in his car. And and I I could tell something was really haunting him. And despite from his eyes, and I said, "Tell me about tell me about the storm." And he started crying as he as he was reliving the storm, and said that this is. This is why he's doing this, because mm-hmm. he's trying to chase his bad memories, and um, he was just so remarkable. I mean, he, he's clearly suffering from post-traumatic stress, from the storm of watching walls fall all around his family. Um, his, he helped his family get out. They actually took shelter in a car because the house was no longer safe, but his father's disabled, and so he sat on the steps and finished riding out the storm with his father Hmm. and you know he's just very haunted by the images of people dying and so now he's trying to he's trying to make new memories and of you know and every everyone that he rescued he'd take a selfie with you Hmm. know (laughs) and um and he's just a really good guy and that story really has resonated i mean i got a phone call last night from someone from michigan Hmm. talking about it um a couple of people have called saying, you know, asking for his address, they want to send him something and hmm. um, yeah, just a remarkable, remarkable man and i ho- I hope that his I hope that his heart and everything heals in time, you know that mm-hmm. these new memories will replace the, the ones that really terrify him you know? yeah, that was
0: a definitely heartwarming story that made uh, yeah, amidst all the kind of um bleak and hopelessness because it's so it, it really so was. overwhelming that okay it's it's each of those acts mm-hmm. isn't going to instantly change everything but that's a little bit of hope so that story was really good yeah and, thank you um, and then I think it was just this morning's paper um, the Sun and Sands Motel mm-hmm. that one was really interesting I, yeah. I love that you, you described um, how by one door there's a part of a car engine you said for for many in this post-hurricane world what's not broken discolored in black mold or under rubble suddenly seems irreplaceable and of value yeah and and you know bags plastic bags of stuff and i I could throughout your stories lots of great imagery but i can kind of picture that place so tell me about the the sun and sands (laughs) motel and why people were there and um
1: I kind of I struggled with I struggled a little bit with that because I didn't I'm an outsider and I didn't want to come across as as an elitist Um, and I kind of struggled but then I but then I I gave it a I gave it a couple more hours of just thought and it's like no I have to uh, just tell what it is just be be straight this is this is a hotel. That just about every city in America has that hotel that that you don't go to unless you're already desperate and addicted. It's it's what people call homeless hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know every city has one, and so when I I have been dealing a lot with FEMA asking about the trailers, like the emergency assistance, and you know where are people going to go? And they're like, well, oh, we have you know we have a hotel program, and it's voluntary and we will pay the tabs, you know, for these hotels. And I was like, oh, great, can I have the list? And so I start looking at the list, and there's 476 hotels that are on this for Florida. And they, the government had approved three counties of 12 counties that had been impacted. Um, Bay County, which is where Panama City, um, Gulf, and Jackson had approved this emergency assistance where they'll pay a week or two of hotels. And so I'm like, terrific, you know, let's... Um, Let's go find these. And so I start going through the list and you know I'm not familiar with the panhandle and I thought, well let's do a search by area code, which is eight five O over there. So but it's a pretty broad area for Mm -hmm. Area Code eight five O. And there were twenty one. And I thought, Okay, well, um let's narrow this down to Panama City, Panama City, you know, Panama Beach. And um there was one hotel. Hmm. And so You know, I go to it and it's on the beach, or it's across the street from the beach. And it's, you know, cardboard in the windows kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Sheets tacked up to the windows. And I met the managers and very nice people. They were on their way to go help people. They were, they said, I said, you know, how many units do you have here and how many are for the storm survivors? And they said, half. They said, we're an 18 unit hotel, motel. And about half the folks here, FEMA's now paying for. Hmm. And um, I said, do you realize you're the only local hotel on the list? And she's like, no, but that makes sense. She's like, 200 people a day are calling. Hmm. And I said, well, what about the other half? And she's like, those are our regulars. And I said, is this kind of like transitional hotel housing? And she's like, yeah. She's like, believe it or not, we've cleaned it up a lot since the new management took over. And so... Um, She's like, you're welcome to talk to whoever you want and, or come for dinner tonight. They had a, like a kettle drum smoker and they had been cooking dinner for people Hmm. and because there's a lot of children there too. And so they, you know, that night that I was there, they were barbecuing chicken and a woman on food stamps actually went to the store and bought stuff, um, bread and stuff for people to, to, you know, sit down and break bread with, with other people, Hmm. um, and you know i went into a couple of the rooms and they're in tough shape but my god these people are so grateful for for a room they're so grateful that the that the government has come in and said we'll help you for a week or two um there's you know no one was complaining about anything and it's you know people were constantly driving by saying is there any room here you know um you know i met people that you know, would love to go there, but they had no cars, you know, like if people had cars then they could maybe sleep in their cars for a little bit, I mean, it's, there's a crisis there, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it that, um, it's, it's definitely going to be a place to watch to see what happens, how, how they, how they can, what do you do, mm-hmm. you know?
0: And I know you don't, you don't necessarily write about how it's affecting you, but you've you told me the story a, a sweet story about the eighty seven year old woman mm-hmm. that you're interviewing tell tell that story
1: I had spent um i guess Sunday and Monday going around to different public housing and affordable housing complexes um, and i just i just, it's just it's so mind boggling to just see structures just so Everything is so exposed, you know, second stories where there's no more walls. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see inside the what was a private bedroom, you know that kind of thing. Um, and but so I was talking to you know as many people as I could and and i i I met a guy from from Puerto Rico, and sixteen members of his family, they actually were able to find a place here in the you know, on the mainland. In the Panhandle after Maria, and now they haven't. They've lost that, and Mm -hmm. so they have. Like the entire family was living at this complex, and so now there's no more relatives to say, "Oh, where do we go?" And that's how they ended up in Panama City because of a relative that was living there, and you know, other people just they had waited years on waiting lists to try and find something affordable, and we're not. Some of these places, people were still paying five, $600 in rent. Um, and so I was feeling really sad when I left there, and then I went to another public housing complex. And, you know, this little girl, she was nine, she came up to me and she asked if she could have a car so her f- family could leave. And because the car actually was destroyed in the storm. And, you know, the mother, she has two children, and she was like want to leave but where am I gonna where am I gonna live she was paying I think 175 or so in rent and plus utilities and she had a house cleaning business but that's until kids are in school she's not gonna be able to get back to that and who knows with her clients she has no idea if she even has any clients yeah. um, but you know and so her little her daughter made me really sad you know asking coming up to a stranger and asking for a car so that they can go sleep in it um because they were still living in this house that didn't have a roof and mold is growing and um they don't know what to do you know she had been on a waiting list for two years and you know talking to people the people aside from the woman that was talking about the squirrel people weren't that emotional and but I am (laughs) So, (laughs) at any rate the the little girl brought me over to this to this woman's house this older woman's house and she was um, a citizen representative on the board of for the housing authority so she you know represented the people she was in her 80s she ended up in the panhandle after a flood a 500 year record flood in Georgia from the 90s and um You know, She's in her 80s and she had this tidy little house and she's like, well, I'm on the board. Shouldn't they tell me that I have to leave? Why do I have to leave? My structure's fine and I didn't see any structural damage but she was amongst this large complex where it was pretty battered and Mm -hmm. that they were going to have to bulldoze it and her apartment was attached to other apartments that are damaged but and she was just standing there in her room like I don't know where I'm gonna go, you know. I'm 85, I, I can't really plan that far, I don't really plan that far ahead. And I, I don't know, I I just couldn't stop crying with that. Um,
0: and then what did she say to you, though? That's, that's she
1: said, oh, please don't cry for <laughs> me. <laughs> and I said, I'm trying not to, you know. And um, I just, I couldn't help it, she's 85. Yeah. So, then I was kind of embarrassed and I said to the photographer who, I, you know, who works up there, um, you know, later I was like, I really didn't want to cry, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, I, it, I didn't want to make her feel bad because I think that she, she you know, hmm. she was intimating, like, don't cry for me hmm. and I didn't want her to feel worse, you know, and so I didn't want to cry, but I just, I couldn't stop. And so I was, you know, said something to the photographer, like, "Yeah, this is just really getting to me." I'm sorry you saw me do that, and you know, because I'm supposed to be the big, the big experienced reporter, <laughs> you know. So at any rate, the next day, uh, this photographer, a great young man, who, you know, they've all lost had their personal losses. He, I, I actually moved in with a bunch of of the staff. Um, he came home and he was like, I cried today. Hmm. And my God, it felt good. And he's like, This is the first time I cried. Hmm. He, you know, they've been on autopilot, just going, going, going. And so, but he was like, You know, sometimes you have to cry, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, as journalists, I don't know. I, I'm a crier. I, I, there's nothing to I, I can't apologize. I'm not going to apologize for it, yeah. you know? Um, but i you know i had said to this i had said to this photographer how i was i just couldn't believe that so many people aren't crying and you know he reminded me that that be, almost everyone that i spent time with they they already came from adversity you know they already were disenfranchised and poor and you know the photographer reminded me that maybe they're used to living without utilities or without a stable home for some time you know like the one family they had been in a homeless shelter well bef- you know 2 years ago before they were able to get this um housing for 175 a month and she was so proud she said that you know when she came to that house she she said she had a fork that was it she had mm-hmm. nothing and and then she took me into her children's rooms and she's like look, you know, I was able to buy toys and clothes, although the, everything was mangled and destroyed. And she's like, you know, I, 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 know, I know how to survive. I just needed a, a little assistance, you know, um, with the housing. And from talking to the reporters, I mean, there already was a shortage of housing for, for people that have jobs. But just, it's Florida. They don't, Florida's never pays enough money, you know. Um And so it was always a struggle for, you know, like these journalists, where were they going to live even before the storm? And so now the housing stock is just, I mean, it's obliterated. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what people are going to do. Are the malls going to open? You know, can, where will people live that works at the, uh, that work at malls that work, that are firefighters, that everything, I mean, lower and middle class Panama city was absolutely destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, the higher end areas were not um, areas along the coast, along the beach, which is what you normally think is going to be, you know, destroyed in a storm surge. They didn't have the storm surge that they predicted. It was inland, and it was wind, and it was absolutely obliterated. So, um, I do hope to go back. I plan on keeping in touch. I honestly, I could be there for a whole year writing stories. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I remember after Katrina that you know I was always cautious about you know we'd approach people who were re-entering their house for the first time Mm -hmm. and I felt like if you don't want me around fine I completely Mm -hmm. understand and I was again and again how welcoming people were you know I thought you know I'm not helping them in the way that a first responder or a lineman or all these other people who are here can help them but I think I eventually realized that they're happy that somebody's trying to tell their story and maybe Mm -hmm. that's Maybe that's even more acute in or this cares case
1: cares enough just to stop by and, and yeah. you know say how you doing,
0: yeah, you know, so they they were I was blown away and humbled by how willing people were to kind of let me and Bob self, the photographer kind of just tag along mm-hmm. on their day, yeah, and so I'm sure, you experienced a lot of that, yeah, so yeah. Well, yeah, the stories were amazing, and you can find them on jacksonville.com, of course, and I'm sure Eileen will be going back there. And, yes, a, a big uh, shout-out to the Panama City News-Herald folks for yeah. what they're doing.
1: They're they're pretty amazing. They're really resilient, and uh, journalism is it's a great profession. And what we do, you know, in this age of the enemy of the people the people were loving their enemy (laughs) if that's what it is you know they loved getting the paper um and hopefully people hopefully people will continue to support journalism because they need it there they need it all over um you know and as i was you know this is a young staff and you know the editors are like oh they're learning so much from you this is so great you know and um, you know, I was just, I was honored to be part of that team that was called in there, and I wish I could stay. I, I really wanted to stay. I um, I, I didn't want to leave at all, um, but I have a few things back here I have to take care of for work. Um, so hopefully I can go back, because um, they're really going to need a strong press and informed community to, to, to see them through, mm-hmm. you know, what the government is going to be able to do and you know, tell the stories of rebuilding their lives. Um, this story is not going to go away at all. So, all right So for now, at least I'll help them remotely. I, you know, passed, gave them all my cards, and you know, um, hopefully, I can still be of some service to them.
0: Definitely. Thanks, Eileen. You're welcome. Very Thank good. you. Good stuff. Thank you. Okay.